In the dark, empty void of space, there is no sound when a spaceship drops out of the drift. Certainly, if space was more of a fluid medium, there would be a large amount of noise generated by the massive displacement of area as a drift-worthy vessel simply folds the space around and collapses inward on itself, and all of a sudden, out of nothingness, there appears a ship. There is no door or gate that opens. It's almost like the heat waves coming over a pot of boiling water. All of a sudden, it, it just appears out of nowhere. Since they were given no real information for navigation or anything else from the Brotherhood of Steel back on the Aegis hold, Nakor and his ragtag band of misfits are greeted with an unusual sight. For one of the first times since this whole expedition has begun, They've dropped out of drift space somewhere peaceful. There's no widespread conflict going on. There's no weird space octopuses trying to eat them. Even though it was a blind jump, more or less letting the drift carry them to this new anchorage. However, upon exiting drift space, they're not alone. There's another vessel here. This one's quite a bit different looking than the one that Nakor has been flying. The second chance itself is pretty run down, ragged, a little beat. This one is fairly slick, looks like it was probably financed by someone with some money. It looks new, the fittings aren't all rusty and aged and worn. It is sleek looking and well equipped. Clearly this does not belong to some ragtag band of wannabe smugglers. This must belong to someone important, or possibly even one of the guilds. After hailing them and establishing amicable first contact, Nakora learns that they are representatives of the UPC, or the Union of Practical Chirurgeons, also known as the Amethyst Guild. This guild is known for their Medicaids, who are basically the only real source of medical care in the Forge. However, they are stifled from innovating upon medical practices for the most part and are required to utilize older, perhaps archaic technologies and various ingredients in order to concoct their remedies. They also aren't like a modern clinic where there's a chirurgeon or a doctor on every street corner. Instead, you basically have to reach out to the guild and pay them an exorbitant amount of money in order to get one of these Medicaids, which puts it well outside of the normal affordability for your average inhabitant of the Forge. This specific ship, known as a Retriever, in order to acquire these various exotic ingredients. The reason they're in this system, specifically, is to try and retrieve some bones that they need to grind down into some sort of medical component for one of their various concoctions. However, the specific bones that they need for this are not exactly easy to come by, which is why this retriever vessel is in this far-flung corner of the forge to begin with. After a reasonable amount of cooperative discussion, Kor and his crew managed to come to a agreement with this UPC vessel. The second chance would help the retrievers to get some of these various bones from one of these creatures in return for restocking the medbay aboard the second chance. Basically, it would allow them to regain some supply because right now that is one thing they are severely lacking. So with Nakora swearing a iron vow to the leader of this exploratory vessel and a member of the UPC joining Nakora and his crew in order to ensure they retrieve the proper specimens for the UPC, 
The second chance disembarks from the larger UPC ship and sets off towards the nearby planet where the Amethyst Guild claims to have scouted out these creatures. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Roll, where I, Hero Cities, your player, host, and GM, play role-playing games for your listening pleasure. I know it has been a significant amount of time since I've been able to record the last podcast, but it's honestly been a pretty busy and wild couple of months. Not only was I out of town for nearly six weeks for training for a new job, but my computer also, finally, that old potato imploded in on itself, and luckily I was able to recover most of the files I needed, including most of the stuff for the podcast. It did take another couple of weeks in order to get a new computer up and running and get everything set back up the way it's supposed to be, but now that that's all done... I'm hoping to be able to keep producing more frequent episodes for y'all to listen to and hopefully keep on enjoying. Now as a fair word of notice to y'all, some of the paperwork that I had did get a little bit disorganized and mixed up and some of the paper clips that I was using to track momentum, health, spirit, and supply got a little bit jostled around, so I kind of just guessed and did my best that I could in order to get them back where they're supposed to be. So, with my best guess, Momentum's at 3, Health's at 4, Spirit's at 3, Supply's at 1, the Skiff Fatty is at uh, 4, and our Starship the Second Chance is at 1. That's the best I was able to kind of piece back together what has been going on with Nakora and the rest of the ship. Usually at this point, we do a recap in order to talk about what's been going on in the past couple of episodes, and I think we'll do just a very brief overview of what is going on in the current situation. So it may have been a little bit jarring to go from being on board the Aegishold to now just randomly encountering the ship from the UPC, the Union of Practical Chirurgians, in the middle of seemingly nowhere. But when I went to do the intro for the show, I rolled on the begin a session move and got unforeseen aid is on the way or within reach. Then I rolled on a starship mission table and got explore region and it just kind of went from there. This whole encounter was set up by the Brotherhood of Steel back on the Aegis Hold, essentially booting Nakora and the Second Chance out of their settlement and didn't give them any kind of navigation charts or anything like that. However, he is required to come back to the Aegis Hold in 23 months in order to try and discover the source behind these various raids that have been happening into the Aegis Hold. And if he does not, he's required to come back for trial. And if he doesn't, then Lieutenant Slater would be required per the agreement to hunt him down and bring him to justice, which by Brotherhood of Steel standards probably means blowing him up. It's just what they do. Things are starting to look pretty busy for Nakora here. This is our third or fourth foul that we're currently working on. So hopefully we can start to resolve some of these and some of the other background stuff that's been going on. Or not, and just keep piling on more and more until eventually it all just kind of comes together and goes kind of crazy. So even though we didn't really get to see it on screen per se, we do need to start off this session by swearing an iron vow. 
When you swear upon iron to complete a quest, write your vow and give it a rank. Then roll plus heart. Our heart is, of course, one as always. We rolled a two on our action dice and a 10 and a one on our challenge dice, which is a weak hit. On a weak hit, you are determined to begin your quest with more questions than answers. Take plus one momentum and envision what you must do to find a path forward. That brings our momentum up to four. And I think our little conundrum is that we actually have to locate the source of these bones on whatever planet this is that we are currently on our way towards. I also think that the UPC ship was just too big in order to fit down on this planet. There's some kind of either geography or terrain issue that required the use of a smaller ship, which this exploratory ship just simply didn't have on board. And the difficulty of this new vow is going to be dangerous. I don't think it's going to take a very long time, but it's still something that is not going to be super straightforward for Nikora and the second chance to discover, unfortunately. Once we get back into the actual game, we will roll up the planet and see exactly what's going on here. However, before we progress into our story, we do have some clocks to roll on. We've got two clocks to roll on, and we're going to keep both of them at 50-50. The first one progresses, and the second one is an extreme yes, so it progresses two chunks. And with all that housekeeping stuff taken care of, without further ado, let's get into it. The second chance, after detaching itself off of the Explorator vessel of the UPC, turns about and heads off towards a new planet. Oh, this is going to be interesting. As the second chance approaches this gray, depressing-looking, swirling orb, really isn't much to make out yet. Can't really see anything. It's just this gray ball. But as they get closer and closer to the planet, things begin to seem a little bit off. These strange, towering mountains appear to be sticking up out of this perpetual gray layer that surrounds this planet at all times. And as they start to come in through this fairly thick, dense atmosphere, they begin to see something a little strange. Those aren't mountains. They're ruins. These various tall, long, long forgotten ruins poking up through this perpetual layer of gloom. These crumbling, long-abandoned structures are impossible to tell how old they are. Over the countless, countless years, they've almost collapsed into what look to be mountains, which is what the UPC Explorator vessel had originally identified them as. Nakora looks up from the various scans that are ongoing and looks towards the member of the UPC retriever ship who came aboard the second chance with them. Zoa, did anybody aboard your ship have any idea what was down here? Were you guys able to pierce through this gloom with any of your sensors aboard? Zoa looks back towards Nikora, their face unreadable. As the captain previously mentioned, sir, we thought they were just mountains with very irregular terrain. We had no way of knowing they were these structures. Petra, from her usual seat at the front of the cockpit, looks back towards Zoya. I have never heard of anything like this before. This could be a one-of-a-kind find. Nikora, she says, turning to look at Nikora. As the first ship to possibly ever have surveyed this planet, this find could be worth, well, let's not get too excited, but to the right people, this information could be priceless. 
as they continue to navigate through the perpetual gloom and overcast skies of this dead planet. Eventually, they pierce out of the bottom of the perpetual overcast gray and into a horrific landscape that stretches before them. Everything is coated in ash. Everything is dead. These large, towering, spiraling structures collapsing in on themselves, slowly being ground down into the dust. The rain coming out of this perpetual gray overcast sky sizzles as it touches the red-hot exterior of the second chance. Nakora types away at his console. Shit, got some bad news. Says that the, uh, well, the atmosphere apparently is breathable, but whatever's going on in this rain, it's as radioactive as inside the core of a ship. It would mean certain death to go outside of the ship without a suit on. In fact, I'm not even sure that the suits I have on board can hold up to this type of intense radiation. Nakora looks up and out at the overcast skies stretching from horizon to horizon. Somehow I don't think this is the type of planet where it ever stops raining. Nakora turns his head to look back at Zoya. What do you think? You're the medical specialist here. We're looking for bones. Is there any way any type of bone would be able to withstand this type of radiation? Is there anything that could possibly live through this? Zoya takes their hand and rests two fingers on their chin, tapping their index fingers slightly. I'm not sure, Nakora. This planet was clearly once home to a very successful civilization, and I would assume there used to be some sort of native flora and fauna. Perhaps inside of one of those collapsed structures, we might be able to find something of interest. Nakora kind of grunts. Doc, we just said that we don't know if our suits can withstand the radiation on this planet. Zoya takes one of their hands and rests it on Nakora's shoulder and kind of looks down at it. Nakora, I never said we should leave the ship. Look at the size of those towers. Fly inside of one of them. That's what we hired you for. And with that, we're going to face danger. This is going to be with speed, mobility, or agility. Roll plus edge. I don't think we can get any benefits from anybody on board the ship or from the ship itself. So we're going to be a straight roll with edge, which for us is a two. We got a two on our action dice, which is a four and a seven and a two on our challenge dice. Weak hit. You succeed, but not without a cost. Make a suffer move minus one. Nakora, seeing one of these larger ruined structures with one of the sides on it kind of have collapsed inward, making this fairly tight squeeze, but certainly doable for the second chance, slowly brings the ship in and manages to maneuver it with no problem inside of the structure. However, as he goes to lower down the landing gear and settle the ship down, the whole floor of this ruined megastructure shifts under the weight of the second chance settling down and does this cause them to become trapped for the time being i think it's 50 50 93 is an extreme no so as they're settling down with the ship and this whole floor kind of breaks and cracks away revealing just how brittle these structures actually are Though they look very towering and imposing from the outside, from the inside their structural integrity is not very good. And with that, we've reached our first milestone of this new vow. We've managed to reach the planet, which gives us two filled boxes. 
Scanning with the ship's integrated sensors, Nakora is able to discover that within this structure, the radiation levels have at least dropped off enough to the point where they should be okay outside of the ship for at least a couple of hours. However, even though technically the air is breathable, the air within here is still radioactive enough that the suits will counteract that radiation for a while. So as they prepare to suit up for their expedition, Nakora, Petra, and Zoya, Tinker has decided he's going to stay behind and work on the ship. In reality, he's not really one for away missions and prefers the comfort of his engineering room over tromping around outside of the ship. Also, it'll give him a chance to tinker with Subject Alpha, which is something he has been meaning to do, but just keeping the rather sorry state of the second chance functional in the drift is nearly a full-time job these days for him. Fully suited up and armed with what they could scavenge aboard the second chance, our expedition sets out into the crumbling ruins of this long-forgotten, very strange and unusual civilization. And I think we're going to start off by gathering some information around here, see if we can figure anything out about this place. Now, we are a scavenger, so when you gather information by scavenging a wreck, ruin, or abandoned site, add plus one and take plus one momentum on a hit. When we gather information, that's plus wits. Our wits is a three. We rolled a four on our action dice and a six and a three on our challenge dice, which is a strong hit. So to start with, we take plus one momentum from our scavenger perk. And for the gather information, you discover something helpful and specific. The path you must follow or the action to make progress is clear. Take plus two momentum. That brings our momentum all the way up to plus seven which isn't half bad considering the starry state we started off this session with. As they walk through this towering mountain-sized structure, complete with rolling hills of debris and caves of unimaginable number and rivers of toxic sludge and rain and everything imaginable that would be on the side of a mountain, but they're inside of this structure. Every once in a while, off in the gloom, the sound of something tumbling from above. These structures simply aren't buildings. They're an entire environment inside of just one of the countless numbers of these spires that dot this planet's surface. Either these things naturally occurred here or were built by some ancient species. However, this place is seemingly abandoned. Every step they take just kicks up more and more of this fine gray dust that appears to coat every surface of this entire place. After an hour, they've probably barely even gone a kilometer through this rather hospitable terrain, climbing all over all the broken surfaces and at one point having to clamber down a steep face of some sort of collapsed building, and they begin to give up hope. Petra kicks out an impressively large mound of dust, sending it scattering, drifting on the faint unseen currents through this place. What the fuck are we doing here, Nakora? This place is dead. These scientists, Medicaid people, want to find these bones so bad. Let them come down here themselves. We're just wasting our time. Nakora spins around, clearly frustrated himself. Look, Petra, you could have stayed on board the ship with Tinker. Yeah, he's a little weird, but he'll probably leave you alone. I never invite you to come out here with us. And the two of them continue their little argument while Zoya, not really wanting to get involved, clambers over and begins poking around on the other side of the building. Hey guys, hey, hey, the two of you, knock it off, I found something. 
With that being said, Nakora and Petra come around the backside of the collapsed structure and find something interesting that Zoya has found in the dust. A footprint. Well, a trace that something had been through here. A strange serpentine track. Almost looks kind of like, not a river, but like a winding, twisting road has been cut through the thick layer of dust that coats this area. Zoya looks up at Nakara from where they were crouched next to this strange track. While you two were over there having a discussion, I took analysis of the fine particulate dust in this area. Nakora sits there staring at Zoya, waiting for them to continue. And are you gonna tell us what that means? Zoya looks up from their wrist-mounted computer. Oh, sorry, I uh, got distracted. This dust contains a very trace amount of the substance we're looking for. This whole planet, or at least this whole structure, is coated in a thin layer of bone. Not just any bone, but the bone that we spent all this time looking for here. This could be it. Who or whatever made these tracks. This could be it. This could be the breakthrough we need. Petra crouches down next to the trail. And how old exactly is this? Do we have any idea how often things change in this place? Zoya merely shrugs. My guess is not very often, unless some sort of substantial shift happens, like the ceiling collapses or something. Petra kind of glances upward. Nakora looks over at her. Don't worry, it's managed to stand for this long, as he trails off somewhere far off in the gloom, way beyond where they can see, but they can hear the sound of something crashing. Anyways, I'm sure it'll be fine. Let's follow this trail and see where it leads. And with the discovery of this trail, we will mark another two boxes on our Iron Vow, bringing us up to four boxes filled. The three of them continue to follow this serpentine trail as it weaves its way through the fine dust that coats this entire structure. And we will undertake an expedition to try and follow this path to where we need to go. Not going to be particularly difficult, we'll just call it a troublesome. And since they're clearly, well, probably following something that's still alive, they're going to be staying vigilant during this whole time so they don't lose both the trail or get waylaid by whatever it is they're following. So our roll is plus wits. Our wits is a plus three. We rolled a one, but, so that's a four, but our challenge dice were a two and a three, so we got a strong hit. Strong hit, you reach a waypoint, envision the location, and mark progress for the rank of the expedition. That'll give us three boxes. The location that they uncover is basically a river that is cutting its way through this structure. Coming from some hole far above, off in the gloom of this towering structure, stretching many kilometers high into the sky. It's almost like a waterfall coming in from the roof. Falling on down somewhere far off into the structure and flowing its way down here into a mighty river. Well, maybe not a mighty river, but it's certainly wide enough that it's going to take some effort to get across. My question is, is there some sort of bridge or something that they can use to cross this raging torrent? How did whatever this creature they're following cross? I think it's probably 50-50 uh, that there's a way to cross that's easy. We got a 60, so yes. Basically, a chunk of rubble has either collapsed down from the roof or something has toppled over in sometime in the far distant past to create a more or less makeshift bridge across, which is where this trail led by this serpentine-like creature has crossed over the water. 
However, it is rather unstable and definitely not safe for crossing. So this is going to be a face danger roll and we're gonna make it with Edge. And I think due to her experience as a miner, yeah, an ice miner, Petra had to deal with crossing crevasses and other various dangerous things like this. So she will give us plus one to the roll. And if we succeed, yeah, if we succeed, we also get an additional plus one momentum. Well, this is kind of fun. We rolled a two on our challenge dice plus a lot, and we got twos on both of our challenge dice. So it is a success, which plus one momentum, and then another plus one from Petra brings us up to plus nine, and we get some sort of benefit from having doubles. Petra, being the woman that she is, unspools some rope that she has stowed away in her gear ties the three of them together and they easily make their way across this makeshift bridge over the raging water below. And upon reaching the other side, our benefit is that we finally come upon the creature that we have been tracking, which gives us another two ticks on our recovery iron vow. And I rolled on a planet side opportunity and got friendly interaction with a benign life form. So let's find out a little bit more what this creature is like. It's a long, probably three or four meter long, snake-like creature that strangely has tons of these little, almost centipede-like legs that wiggle and move its way along the outside of it, kind of like cilia to propel it along. As far as they can see, it doesn't have any mouth or any other kind of apparatus. But as they make their way down cautiously with weapons shouldered towards this strange creature, they start to feel a sense of relaxation and this feeling of this creature clearly doesn't mean any harm. As it skitters around, not really aggressively or anything like that, this feeling of relaxation and non-aggression pervades Clearly, it's friendly. Clearly, strange species of millipede worms are friendly. They are friendly. They are our friends. And we shall not hurt them. Petra, putting her gun down on the ground, reaches a hand out towards the creature and begins to gently stroke it. And with that, our episode fades to black. Once again, thank you, thank you so much for listening to One Guy, One Roll. As always, I, Hero Cities, greatly thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. And as I previously stated during the introduction, it is my intention to produce more content for y'all now that I'm back home, at least for the time being, and I'm able to have a new computer and all the craziness of the last couple months is hopefully behind us. This episode was absolutely fun to make. It was fun to kind of get out of the ship and do a little planet exploration. My intention was to have finished this little segment, but with the weird creature and everything, it just became too much fun. And I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Since I haven't really been making a ton of content lately, it does feel a little weird to pitch my Patreon to y'all, but I do have a Patreon over on patreon.com slash one guy one roll. And if you're interested in helping to support the podcast, Really appreciate it if you went over there and checked it out. And as I said, it is 100% my intention to keep creating content for y'all to listen to. And I do want to extend a very big thank you for your continued support and unbelievable dedication to the uh, One Guy, One Roll project. Uh, thank you so much, Journeyman JL and Journeyman Wes. You guys are fantastic. And your continued support really means a lot to me. And same with anybody who continues to listen to the podcast. 
Thank you so much. I do all this for y'all. Otherwise, I'd just be doing it for myself. So as always, I've been your host, player, and GM, Hero Cities, signing out. Have a great day and stay safe out there, y'all.